Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Amen. Brothers and sisters, please remain standing and turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, we'll be looking at verses 10 through 17 this morning. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. It's important to remember as we read the scriptures that we are reading the very words of God revealed to us from heaven. That because of this, these words cannot err. These are in fact the words that have been given to us divinely by God himself. These are the things that he wants you to know that he has communicated about himself Uh, to you. And with that, brothers and sisters, and keeping that in mind, hear now the word of God from Matthew 13. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Amen. Brothers and sisters, thus far the reading of God's word, you may be seated. go to the Lord once again in prayer. Father, we do pray that you would bless now the preaching of your word, that the great truths that have been revealed to us in the scriptures would be made known, that they'd be made clear, that they would be believed to the glory and praise of your name. Lord, we are in awe of all the things that you have given to us, that you have shown to us, uh, all the things in the scriptures as we see here, not only the content of the parables themselves as Christ gives, the parables of the kingdom, but even the very fact that they are parables uh, teach us so many wondrous and great truths about your grace. Uh, Father, help us to see the blessing that the Lord Jesus Christ speaks of here, that our eyes are blessed for they see and our ears are blessed for they hear. For Lord, you do ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
Well, you, you remember, if you were with us last week, we looked at the parable of the sower, or as it's also called, the parable of the soils. And one of the things that we noted last week was how shocking it would have been to be a part of the crowds and to hear that parable. It's basically not introduced. Christ gets in a boat. He sees all of these crowds. He then starts speaking about farmers who throw seeds in different areas. Some of them, some grow up in terms of a plant. Uh, only one of the kinds of, of uh, soil produces a crop. And then he simply ends and says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It would have been a shocking thing to hear, to, to think, you know, to, if you, you know, came all that way to hear the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a member of the, of the crowds, and you're expecting this great teaching, and you hear just that, nothing else. And then Christ is simply done and says, he who has ears to hear, uh, let him hear. This would have been confusing for everyone there, as we noted last week. And this is the reason why then, in private, which is what we have in verse 10. So verses 1 to 9 in Matthew chapter 13 is the, the public giving of the parable of the sower. And because everyone's confused, even the disciples, this naturally leads to the disciples to ask him in private, why is it that you speak to the people in parables? What's, what's the reason? It seems so confusing. You've clearly confused everybody. As the disciples make clear, they even we are confused, they're saying to Christ. Uh, we don't understand what you're doing. We don't understand why you're doing it. If you wanted to, uh, you know, communicate the mysteries of the kingdom of God clearly, surely there would be another way to do it. Uh, we don't know what's, what's going on. Clearly the people don't know what's going on. Why is it that you speak to the people in parables? And verses 10 through 17 is Christ's, uh, Christ's answer to that very question. Why is it that he speaks in parables? And this is one of the, the great and wondrous things about the grace of God revealed here, brothers and sisters, that he shows, the Lord Jesus Christ here shows that it's not just the parables that are communicating truths about the kingdom of God, but even the very use of parables themselves teaches us something about the grace of God. That it's not just the content of the parables themselves that teach us about God's grace, but even the very fact that Christ chooses to make these things known by parables communicates to us truths about the grace of God. And if you were to ask then, what is that truth? What is it that Christ is teaching us by speaking to the people in parables and often in ways that are very confusing? Well, the answer is that Christ speaks to the people in parables in order to show that the knowledge of the kingdom of God is sovereignly granted. It's sovereignly granted and it's also judicially withheld. Now, we'll un unpack those terms uh, throughout the sermon, but the idea is that if you think about the knowledge of God, it must be given to you sovereignly, and the parables make that known. If it's not given to you sovereignly, you will not receive the knowledge of the kingdom of God. And also, the reason why some do not get to receive the knowledge of the kingdom is because God withholds it from them judicially. Because of their sins, he leaves them in the hardness of their heart. And the point is, is that when Christ speaks in parables, he is illustrating and proving this very point simply by the way in which he communicates the truths. The truths themselves communicate things about the kingdom of God, but even the mechanism of speaking in parables communicates truths as well. Now, I've said here that speaking in parables teaches that the knowledge of God is sovereignly granted. What this means is that if you are to be saved from your sins, it can only be from the sovereign grace of God. Now, that's something that we often speak about here. It's important to keep in mind what it means. 
when we speak about God's sovereign grace, what are we in fact speaking about? Well, remember that grace means that uh, we, are, we are receiving unmerited favor from God. That's what grace means. Grace is unmerited favor. God shows love to us even though we are sinners. In God's mercy, God shows love to us even though we are miserable. In God's grace, God shows love to us even though uh, we are guilty sinners before Him. Sovereign grace emphasizes that this grace comes to us without any contribution from us. The idea being that we are sinners like everyone else. We do not come to God because we are smarter than other sinners or less sinners than other sinners. We have nothing to boast of. Uh, but what we are affirming is that God Himself sovereignly plants the faith that we have into our hearts. It's not because we are better than others. It's rather because God Himself has chosen to love us before the foundation of the world. And so when we think about sovereign grace, we are particularly highlighting the beginning of God's grace in our lives. It's not due to our choosing God, but rather to God choosing us. Man truly does believe and is justified by his faith. That faith is an act of the will of that person. You must, you must actually believe. But even that faith is a gift of God. God is the one who works in us both to will and to act according to His good pleasure. Everything, everything comes from God. And the purpose of speaking to the people in parables is to show that these truths of the kingdom of God must be granted. They must be granted. And if it's not granted, then you will not have it. And so with the parables, there is a natural separation between those to whom it has been granted and those to whom it has not been granted. And that's the reason that the Lord Jesus Christ speaks to the people in parables. Now, um, this concept of God's sovereign grace is something that the entire Bible teaches and testifies to. Uh, very often when we think about arguments for it, uh, people typically go to explicit statements like those in the beginning of Ephesians 1. We've been predestined before the foundation of the world for adoption as sons. In love, He predestined us for this, that we might be holy and blameless before Him. Or you think of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that even our faith is a gift from God. Not, it's not of works that no man can, can boast, but even the, the gift of God uh, includes the faith itself. You think of uh, explicit arguments from Romans chapter 9, where God has mercy on whom He wills, and He hardens whom He wills. And there are many other places we could go that could that speak directly to this particular issue. Um, but it's it's... It goes far beyond just the explicit statements in, in the Apostle Paul. The entire Bible teaches this concept of sovereign grace. If you were with us for the sermons on Deuteronomy, you'll remember that particularly in uh, chapter 30, verses 1 to 10, as well as chapter 4, verses 25 through 31, we saw how all of redemptive history points to the reality of God's sovereign grace. God gives the people every advantage in the Old Testament, and for 1,000 years of having opportunities, they constantly reject Him and turn aside. And the thing that was promised with the coming of the Messiah, which we saw all throughout the, the, the prophets, is that when the Messiah comes, He will remove the heart of stone and give the heart of flesh. He will circumcise the heart. He will put the love of God into the hearts of His people so that they will never turn away from Him. Uh, this is the sovereign grace that is preached uh, beginning with Moses and affirmed in the prophets and fulfilled with the Lord Jesus Christ. We've seen this even with uh, the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew's Gospel. We saw in chapter 11 that Christ Himself affirms in the midst of, of overwhelming unbelief that no one knows the Father except the Son and to whomever, and whomever the Son chooses to reveal Him to. 
So if you were to know the Father, it can only be because the Son chooses to reveal the Father to you. Uh, Christ is sovereign over the response of men to the grace of God, to the offer of grace. And uh, God granting you the grace to know the kingdom of God is something that you cannot earn for yourself. Uh, God will receive glory for the work of salvation. God will receive glory for the work of salvation. What do you have that you did not receive? How were you able to come to knowledge of Christ, the King, and His glorious kingdom? How were you able to do that? It's because, as Christ says to the disciples here, it has been granted to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. To others, it has not been granted. Therefore, therefore, I speak to them in parables. Now, we'll look at this text under three headings. First, we'll look in verses 11 and 12 at the way in which parables themselves, not the, not the content of them, but the, the method of teaching in parables, that that shows that the knowledge of the truth of the kingdom of God is sovereignly given. So that first part, sovereignly given, it's sovereignly given. Next, in verses 13 through 15, we'll see that the parables also conceal the truth as a judicial sentence. It's ju judicially withheld from others. So it's sovereignly given in verses 11 and 12. It's judicially held from others in verses 13 through 15. And then we'll see that if these things are true, if these things are true, then truly there is a tremendous blessing if you are one who knows the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And that's the blessing that Christ speaks of in verses 16 and 17. So it's sovereignly given, it's judicially withheld, and because of that, to those whom it is given, they are blessed indeed. Now, look with me then again at verses 11 and 12 as we consider, as we consider that the fact that this is, in fact, uh, sovereignly given. Notice what the Lord Jesus Christ says. So verse 10 is the question, why do you speak to them in parables? Verses 11 and 12 is the beginning of the answer. Christ says to them, uh, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So here, there is one group who receives knowledge, the other does not. And what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying is, is that this is by the decree of God. It has been given to you. It's not been given to others. Therefore, I'm speaking to them in, in parables. Um, it is rooted in the knowledge of God first, before the foundation of the world. It is rooted in His decree. It's not rooted in an ability for a person to discern. It's not to discern what these, what these truths are. It's not rooted in, in, in intellectual capacity. Nobody understands the parables. That's the point. doesn't matter how wise you are. No amount of intellectual perception is good enough of itself to grant to you the mysteries of the knowledge of the kingdom of God. It must be given. And the parables are meant to confuse all in order to illustrate the fact that if you are to know anything about this kingdom, it must be given to you. And so there is one group to whom it is given, and there is another group to whom it is, uh, in fact, not given. Now notice what, it, what is, in fact, revealed. The Lord Jesus Christ says is the secrets this, the, or the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. A mystery in the scriptures is something that was hidden in ages past, but is uh, now revealed. Um, and the point of the parables is then is to say that a parable, when it's given, all these parables are meant to separate out. They separate out these two groups. There are two groups. There is, there is the elect, there is the non-elect. The, there's the, the reprobate. And the parables 
are given in such a way that these two groups are made manifest. They're made manifest. Now, an important thing to keep in mind with regard uh, to this, this knowledge that is sovereignly given, it's important to note that when Christ says it is given to the disciples, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. To them, it's not been given. The disciples themselves do not understand the parable. This is a, this is a point that we made last week, but it, it bears reminding, particularly in this context. The disciples and the crowds both do not understand the parable. Even the disciples need the explanation. The way in which the parables separate out those who receive the knowledge and those who do not is by confusing all and then putting everyone in a situation where true love for Christ and humility are required to receive the answer. Not, it's not intellectual ability, but rather humbly coming to Christ and asking, can you explain to us what this parable means? And in this way then, this, this, this shows that, the, that the, the way in which the elect are divided from the non-elect is not so much by, uh, not at all by, uh, intellectual power, uh, but rather by a humble faith that relies on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the elect are called by God and God puts in their hearts softness of heart so that they come to Christ humbly. But those who are not elect, they are hardened in their sins and they will scoff at the parables. They will scoff. Who is this person who gets up in a boat and just simply speaks words about farmers and then says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, who just says these random things and it doesn't seem to be connected with anything. Uh, it's worthy of mockery to some, but to the disciples, they come. And it's because of this, because of this humility that it is that the parables themselves can grant the knowledge only to the humble, only to the humble, and yet keep it away from everyone else. And as we mentioned last week, this is a great warning. This is a great warning to you. If you are one who hears the word of God and who is prone to scoffing because it does not make sense to you, this is evidence of hardness of heart. It's evidence that God is not revealing to you the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And the way in which it can be revealed to you, the way in which it is revealed to you is not by you being smart enough to receive it. It is an amazing thing. One of the things that you may, uh, many of you will know that I'm in a, a PhD program and, and when you're in those kinds of programs, you uh, have to read uh, books by various, uh, various scholars and, and typically in the biblical studies field, there are many, many people who do not believe in God. And they will say the most uh, ridiculous things. There was, there was uh, one time, for instance, I was reading uh, a critical uh, assessment of the book of, uh, of, uh, uh, of uh, the account of Noah and the flood. And this scholar, PhD, published many things. He reads the text and he says, surely this is comprised by more than one person because the flood can't be both 40 days and 150 days. And here in Genesis, it says the flood's 40 days and then it says it's 150 days. It's a contradiction, therefore it was written by more than one person. And I remember it's just thinking, there are just very clear and obvious English words here that you're reading, and he's reading it in the Hebrew, I'm sure, but even then it's just as clear. That make it clear that, you know, um, it's, just, it's just not very hard to put these two things together. I remember even calling, uh, calling my wife and asking if, if, uh, if she could put our, our oldest son on the phone, who was just learning to read at the time, and I said, Luke, what, how do we understand that 
the, that there was a flood for 40 days and a flood for 150 days. And he reads the text and he says, well, the flood, it says very clearly that it was raining for 40 days and the waters remained over the earth for 150 days. And that was the answer. And here you had this person who was a scholar, PhD, published, reading the words in the original, and could not understand the first thing about how to read a basic narrative about the flood. He couldn't even understand the words. And, 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 th and what this shows, brothers and sisters, is it's not, about, it's not about intelligence. It's about humility before God. It must be given. God is able to turn the apparent wisdom of the wise back on its head. And he does that all the time. All the time he does that. It must be sovereignly granted. And it is for this reason that God speaks in parables, that Christ gives parables first and foremost. He shows you will not receive anything with regard to the knowledge of the kingdom of God. You will not receive it at all unless you come humbly, unless it is given to you by God himself. It doesn't matter how smart you are. You will receive none of it. You will not even be able to read simple narratives that speak about this kingdom. It will all be a mess to you. It'll all be confusion until you submit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is given to you by God himself. And that's the point that the Lord Jesus Christ is making. I speak in these parables to illustrate this truth. And remember, uh, brothers and sisters, this is particularly important uh, in the context. You'll remember the reason why the parables of the kingdom come in Matthew chapter 13 is that Christ is explaining the reason why there was so much unbelief in chapters 11 and 12. Why is it the case that there has been so much rejection of the kingdom of God, the rejection of Jesus Christ as being the Messiah? And he speaks to them in parables in order to show uh, none of this unbelief in any way undoes the purposes and plans of God. I will speak in parables to confuse them further to show that anyone who will grasp this, it will be granted to them. And there is nothing about, that there is nothing with regard to their unbelief that in any way invalidates the reality that the, that the kingdom of God has come with the Lord Jesus Christ. Even their unbelief is part of the plan, is part of the plan of God. And so brothers and sisters, as you think about this then, you think about those who you, you pray for who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, this is important to keep in mind. The knowledge of the kingdom of God is sovereignly granted by God. It's sovereignly granted by him. You must come humbly for it. You must plead with the Lord for it. When you think about praying for others, you must pray that God would grant it. There's no one else who can grant it. There's no one else who can give it in this world. This is also the reason why, brothers and sisters, you are not to lose heart when you see unbelief all around you. Unbelief is part of the plan of God. It's part of the plan of God that has been so set in motion by his great providence, which can never be thwarted for the sake of the glory of his own name. Uh, that's the reason why unbelief is in this world. And so the Lord Jesus goes on and says in verse 12, whoever has to him more will be given and he'll have an abundance. But whoever does not have even what he thinks he has, even what he has will be taken away from him. Uh, what does verse 12 mean? The idea here is that the disciples had true knowledge of God, which was sovereignly given, and they themselves will receive more. They will grow and they will have an abundance. Others appeared to have the knowledge of God, but really did not. And the parables themselves make that clear, such that what they thought they knew is now revealed to not exist. 
that they don't actually know anything about the kingdom of God. Uh, many people would have thought they knew about the kingdom of God, but after hearing these kind of parables, they're wondering, do I really know anything about these things? Parables make this clear. Parables is an illustration of this truth such that the one group abounds in knowledge and the other is left even further in the dark than when they began. And therefore, therefore, uh, we, uh, uh, Christ's answer teaches us that this is the reason why, we speak in, why he speaks in parables. It is given. The knowledge of God's grace is sovereignly given. Now notice further then in verses 13 to 15, parables also show that the truth is concealed as a judicial sentence. God will punish the wicked for their sins by removing the ability for them to understand truths about the kingdom of God. And Christ shows this by speaking in parables. There is a judicial withholding. If you are to have knowledge of the kingdom, it must be sovereignly granted to you by the grace of God. But also, if you are left in confusion, this is because of your sins. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying. Uh, particularly in verse 13. Notice in verse 13, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Now at this point, there is a, an important question to ask with regard to speaking in parables. And that is this, is Christ trying to cause confusion or speaking in a confusion way because people have hardened their hearts? So, or to, to say it another way, do parables cause confusion or are they the result of it? Is it a confused people who receive parables or is it that parables are given in order to cause confusion? And the answer is actually both. Clearly we see in verses 11 and 12, parables cause confusion. It's not given to others, therefore the parables cause them not to be able to receive it. But also here in verse 13, the opposite is said. Christ speaks to them in parables not so that they would see and not perceive, but because they do not see. Which means that the, uh, the idea is that, that there is a, that the parables and the confusing nature of them is itself a punishment for sins. It is Given in the decree of God that cer certain ones will be passed over, they will not receive the kingdom of God. But also, but also they, are, uh, they are not made to sin by God twisting their arm. They are simply left to themselves in their own sins. And in that sin, God punishes the sin by speaking to them in such a way so that they cannot understand the message of the kingdom of God. And this is actually made clear uh, also in Mark and Luke's account. Uh, of the, the purpose of the parables. And actually there, uh, in Mark and Luke's account, uh, they, they re record Jesus as affirming that Christ speaks in parables so that the people would not see, which is the point made in verses 11 and 12 in our text here. Uh, the point that Matthew is making here is that it's also the case that Christ speaks in parables because the people did not believe. Um, so the idea is that the parables are both the result of confusion and the cause of confusion. They are both it is a judicial sentence. God is leaving you in your sins. That's the point that Christ is making, particularly in verses uh, 13, and, and, uh, 13 through 15. Parables are a punishment for the hardness of the hearts of people. And even we have this even in the, in the, in the prophets, even going all the way back to Moses. Uh, Moses speaks in Deuteronomy chapter 32 of making a people envious and jealous of, uh, uh, by using a people of strange lips. You're not going to be able to understand what they say. And God's going to make you envious of them through that. 
Um, and you, you have something similar in Isaiah chapter 28, where people hear the word of God and it just appears to them to be line upon line, line upon line. They, they can't understand it. It feels like a confusing set of words to them. And the point that is being made uh, in all these texts is that God will often uh, withhold clear speech from some, even within the kingdom visibly, as a punishment for their sins. It's a way in which he can remove what you thought you had and show that you are, in fact, uh, in darkness. Uh, this, is, this is one of the purpose of parables. It is a judicial sentence. It is sovereignly given. It is also judicially withheld. It's judicially withheld. Now, it's important to understand here uh, as well that it is not by the, the superiority of the disciples that they escape from this, from this judicial sentencing. Um, they themselves do not understand. They don't understand themselves. The, the only difference between them uh, is, in fact, that they come humbly and they ask for, uh, for, the, uh, for the interpretation to be given. Even that is sovereignly given by the grace of God. The fact that nobody understands the parables is meant to humble all, to show that the judicial withholding of the grace to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven could have been given to you as well. The only reason it's not is because God decides to give you the interpretation. He, he decides to put that knowledge into your heart. It's judicially withheld from some that you might fear, that you might see the grace that has in fact been shown to you. And Christ confirms even further that this was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6 verses 9 and 10, which are quoted in verses 14 and 15, uh, where Isaiah in his ministry is told that he will speak to a people and they will not receive his message. Hearing, uh, you will, uh, hearing you will hear but not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Now notice again there, they will not be able to understand because of their previous sins. In Isaiah chapter 6, the point is that this is a judicial thing that's happening. God is showing you your sins and speaking to you in a way so that you will never understand it as a punishment for the sins uh, that you in fact have. Uh, and this is what, what uh, this, this text, particularly in, in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, is actually quoted several places in the New Testament. Paul quotes it in Acts chapter 28 concerning the unbelieving Jews. Uh, and um, all throughout the New Testament, there is this uh, particular element of the gospel that is highlighted. That God's grace is sovereignly given and that for some people it will be uh, judicially withheld because of the hardness of their hearts. Now notice, brothers and sisters, that if all of this is true, there is certainly no reason that you can ever boast before God for what He Himself has given to you. If you, Whatever you've been given, it is, in fact, due to the grace of God. And if you are outside of Christ, this is a great warning. One of the things that this makes clear is that God does not, in fact, give infinite chances to believe. He does not give infinite chances to believe. Now, if you believe at any point, you will be saved. If you believe at the very, if you persist in unbelief all the way to the end of your life and then you believe, you will be saved. But God does not give you unlimited chances to believe. There is such a thing as being hardened to the point where God will no longer make clear to you what the mysteries of the kingdom of God are. 
He will, he will cease to communicate these things with you. Uh, the, 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 the crowds, many of them, because of their sins, now they receive only confusing messages wherein they cannot come to faith. They had an opportunity. They turned away in unbelief and God gave them over to greater hardness of heart. So now it's harder for them to believe than it was before. And this is a great warning. If you are here and you are outside of Christ, many times you hear people say, you know, I'll just believe later. I'm sure I can do it. I'm just going to live the way I want now. But, but then at the end of my life, I'm going to believe, or at this point, I'm going to believe. But brothers and sisters, that is not the way the grace of God works. If you presume upon the ability to, to uh, cause yourself to believe, you will very likely be put in such a, a place where you will receive increased hardening. And that hardening will prevent you from being able even to understand the basic truths of Scripture. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Do not put it off. There is not infinite chances. There's not infinite chances. If you, if you assume you will receive infinite chances from God, uh, brothers and sisters, you, you very well may find yourself in a place where you cannot receive God's grace, where you are more hardened than you would otherwise have been. This is the warning that, uh, that is clear from this text. There were those who received the message of, of Christ, his teachings, very plainly, particularly in chapters 5 through 7. Christ was not speaking in parables then. Now he's speaking in parables. The crowds do not have the same opportunity to believe that they did. And such is uh, the case with you. What should you do if you find yourself in this situation? Plead with God to grant you the knowledge of himself. Plead with him to soften your heart now. And here is the great promise given all the way back in Moses. By Moses, God will be found by you when you turn to him with all of your heart. You will find him if you turn to him with all of your heart. So these are the, the two truths then to, to summarize verses 10 through 15. The two truths, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God are sovereignly granted and also judicially withheld. If this is the case, how then ought you to respond? If you know Christ as king and you know his kingdom, this is because it was sovereignly granted to you, though judicially withheld from others. You are not better than those who withheld uh, those who, from whom it was withheld. You are simply the recipient of grace. And if this is true, brothers and sisters, how true are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 16? But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly, truly, if this knowledge can only be sovereignly given, then you are blessed if you are one who truly does see the knowledge of the kingdom of God. If you have received this grace, it's not because you are better, it is because God has chosen you. Christ spoke in parables to highlight this element of the grace of God, that you might see that if not for the grace of God, you would be left in confusion just like all the crowds. But yet God has shown you grace, not because of anything in yourself, but because God granted you the interpretation of things you could never have understood on your own. And he did that because he loves you and loved you before the foundation of the world. And even further than that, Christ shows the extent of this blessing goes even beyond any saint in the Old Testament. The grace you have been shown, the particular mysteries of the kingdom of God that you have, uh, have come to know through the grace of God, 
are things that even all the prophets of the Old Testament and all the righteous people who came before Christ long to know. They long to know the very things that have been given to you by grace. Think of even the grace that God has shown to you in causing you to be born in a time after the coming of Christ, that, that you might be able to know these particular truths that they long to see themselves. Brothers and sisters, why is it that Christ spoke in parables? It is that you might understand the grace of God that has been given to you. It's that you might understand the grace of God. There's nothing you could have done to receive it on your own. Christ speaks in parables to cause the great separation between those to whom it has been given and those to whom it has not been given. Both belief and unbelief work towards the accomplishment of the plan of God set in all ages, set before even the ages began. And God himself will cause every single thing in this world to work out for his own glory. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, ought you not to boast in the Lord Jesus Christ who gave it to you apart from works? Let's pray. Oh, Father, how would you thank you for your kindness? How would you thank you for your grace that you have shown to us. Lord, what a wonderful thing to consider. Even the very method you use to communicate to us the truths found in the scriptures teach us about your grace. Help us to receive this well. Help us to receive this humbly. May it not be that you would leave us in the dark such that the word of God would seem like darkness and a confusion to us as you do to so many. Uh, Lord, we confess that you are great and worthy of praise as the one who reveals these truths to little children while you hide them from the wise and understanding. Get glory for yourself, O God, in the salvation of your people. For we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can visit our website at newcovenantopc.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. If you've benefited from this ministry and want to know of ways you can help or support it, we'd like to make you aware of our new capital campaign to build a new building. God has recently blessed us with growth here at New Covenant. Over the years, our church has been small. It's gone up and down, but overall things have been tight financially and the church has been small. Now, by the grace of God, we are growing. We believe it wise in light of this to think about building a new building to facilitate even more growth. Our current building only seats 72. We cannot fit any more seats, and if we were to fill every single one, every Lord's Day we would have no more than 72. The plans for our new building would more than double the capacity and enable us to grow to a point where we can be stable financially and even be able to help other churches. One of the things that we want to, to be is a church that is able to look beyond itself for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom of God. We believe that this new building can help us get there. And so we are praying that God would provide for us the funds needed to build a new building, that we would grow to fill it, and that one day we would even be able to plant a church ourselves. As you know, doing ministry here in the Bay Area, this is a very dark place. Uh, there is a great need for the light of the gospel to shine, particularly in this place, uh, through the preaching of the word. And so if you want to support us and to, to support our efforts to see this new building built, please consider giving a financial gift to this end. 
You can give by sending us a check with building fund in the memo line. Our address can be found on our website. You can also give by Zelle by sending the money to nc.opcssf.treasurer at gmail.com with building fund in the memo line. May God bless you with a greater knowledge of his word and zeal for his name. Thank you.